denvercrush.com of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. I am your host, Chris Heaton. All right, well, as you're listening to this, it is T-minus 30 minutes until Avengers Endgame hits the West Coast market. Now, there's already people sitting in theaters. There's already people who probably are just now walking out on it in the East Coast. And I am sitting here because I have a 10 p.m. showtime, re-recording this episode you're hearing today. Why am I saying that? Well, because I had already a solo episode recorded for you good people, and in less than the 12 hours that I recorded it, a bunch of new stuff happened that I'm like, damn. Well, I can either release that old episode, which is just me rambling like a lunatic, or you can hear this episode, which is also me, Rambling like a lunatic. Uh, now, if you know, as you notice, Jessica is not here today. Um, she will be back, hopefully, for the next episode. Um, if you guys have been following her on Facebook, you know that she's going through some personal matters right now. Unfortunately, she had a um, let's just a death in the family, so she's taking care of that. Um, you know, hopefully, everyone, if you follow her, go wish her well. Um, it is a little bit of a trying time, and not to bring this down, but you know. Again, you know, I know a lot of people tune in to hear her sweet voice and not my nasally, raspy tone of uh, BS. But, that being said, we move on, we stretch forth. We are little over a month away from the release of Godzilla King of the Monsters. And that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about today because so much has come out in the last 72 hours that it has to be addressed. So, first things first, since we last talked to you guys, there has been a barrage of what I call TV spots. I believe in the last episode we talked about the trailer that had been released, that was around Christmas time, which was awesome, but Warners and Legendary, whoever is cutting these things, has stepped up their game tremendously, and I applaud them. Um, in fact, the the one case in point is the, um, they, they promoted it as a TV spot, of which I've yet to see it air on television, so I'm assuming it's just like a little precursor trailer, or if anything, it was something that someone just cut together for, you know, schnitz and giggles, that they're like, oh, oh, no, no, we, we need to make this a full thing. And so, with Avengers coming out, uh, Warners is doubling down their efforts in advertising this week because everyone's eyes are going to be on that. So let's get as many eyes as possible on the film, the big, what we hoped will be the big film in a month time when everyone has seen Avengers 15 times already and they're ready to move on to the next big thing. And that is this trailer I'm about to play for you right now. What we are witnessing here is the return of Titans. 
How many of these things are there? Seventeen and counting. That's messed up. Rodan, Kidora. Oh my! They're moving like a pack. They're hunting. They all respond directly to an alpha. We stop this Kidora. We stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him? cut trailer that that is probably better than the first two including that uh the one we got from comic-con last year that everyone was gushing about it gives you just enough it gives you an idea of what you're what you're in for without really giving away anything past this movie has monsters here are people in it and they're gonna fight and uh that's about it in fact, everything about these trailers that have come out so far, have, they, they've they they've gone out of the way not to really give away any plot details of the film past. There are at least four monsters that you know of. There are a few more that were, were hiding, and they're all going to fight. Like, that's it. They're, they're, it it's, it's brass tacks. It's nuts and bolts. It's, and I, in a day and age where uh, trailers are cut to a point where they're pretty much giving you uh, like half the film, or at least if you're savvy enough to watch these things, you can see the story beats already ahead of time. I'm not talking about a Dark Phoenix trailer right there, but that's, you know, it's a prime example right now. But setting it to a, a, a melody of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and that, that the shorter version of this one, uh, the, the, the first one that came out about three and a half weeks ago, just it, it's stupendous, and I'm not ashamed to admit I rolled a goddamn tear watching it because it's th- this film is everything I I have seen in my head since I was five years old and first watched Godzilla uh, 1985. When you and, and look, this isn't this isn't me, you know, crapping on the old ways. I, lo- I, I lo- there there's an area of film I don't like. 
I mean, even my least favorite, I put it that way, of of any of the Godzilla films, which is against Mechagodzilla, the, the one from 2003, I'll still go back and watch it. You know why? Because it's still got Godzilla fighting in it. You know, even though it's kind of a trodge of a film, like, I'm still going to watch it. I still put on the the uh, the Sony film from time to time because, you know what, still, you get past the idea that, that it's a mangled version of Godzilla, and even in this day and age now, you can honestly just look at it as a side film or like another entry into the to the Rose Gallery films like Mothra was, like Rodan was, uh, you know, War of the Gargantua, stuff like that. Because they've established that Godzilla as a completely separate entity in the universe now. So it's like that that that's a bit easier to swallow at this point. This, though... This is, I, I don't know, uh, Michael Dotry has looked into my 10-year-old brain, and everything I always ever saw is right there on the screen. And it's it's that feeling. It's a feeling that a lot of people get when they're watching the Avengers films. It's that you're, you're hearkening back to the simpler times if you're an adult, if you will, to, to that childhood wonder, when it was a lot easier to be filled with that wonder and glee. It's a lot harder when you're an adult. Believe me, it's a lot harder. You're a lot more cynical. You're, a lot of us, including myself, become cynical bastards. And then you see something like this that just pierces every bit of callus you have in your in your body, and you just you're you're back to that that seven year old, that ten year old for just a brief moment. And this that that trailer, including this one, just did it for me. Like I, and there's there's no way there's no way that I I can't believe for a second that this movie's going to be anything less magnificent. Like, and I know I'm hyping myself up, but there's something tremendously different about these trailers and about everything and how this film looks so far compared to the 2014 version. And I like the 2014 version a lot. And, I, and that film's marketing was a little bit misleading. They were selling you this dead-ass serious Dark Knight-style Godzilla film. Like, you know, there's no, you know, tongue-in-cheek. It's like, you know, stuff is going to go down. It's serious. Like, there's going to be casualties. And in reality, we got uh, kind of like a 70s Showa film. And, I, you know, when I walked out, I'm like, you know what? This is not exactly the bill of goods they sold me, but I am not complaining because that was still a fun film. It was a lot better than the Sony attempt. It was a lot closer to anything we have gotten big budget-wise. And I'm like, Alright, cool. We're still on the right track. And it made enough money, they're like, we're going to do more. Awesome. This, this though, this is this is that difference. And I, I use the comparison a lot. I use Batman Begins to The Dark Knight. Those, you look at those films, they're, they're part one and part two in a series. Part one was, we're finding our footing, we're still adhering to some old ways. That, 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 that was a film that was shot on a studio. There was a lot of there was a lot of ideas that we were really wanted to play with, but at the same time didn't real didn't know if the audience was willing to accept this darker tone. You know, they they, they did stuff. There was there was definitely something there. People were like, yes, yeah, you know, more of this, more of this. That's so what that Godzilla, that 2014, the Gareth uh, Edwards film was. Now the fact that Edwards backed out so he can go do Star Wars, and he's just like, I'm, you know what, I'm good. I I was happy with that. I always feel that a um, a director, especially a director for hire, shouldn't have to be chained down to a franchise. That's a studio problem where 
they struck they, they caught lightning in the bottle and they're they don't think they can catch it again so it's like repeat the formula repeat the formula then you get something like Spider-Man 3 or you get anything after Transformers 2 where Michael Bay clearly was like I just want to be one and done someone else can come and do this and you know then you see you know you get what you get you know and then every once in a while then after that you'll get a film like Bumblebee where someone like Travis Knight comes in and he's like I like what was set up here but we can we can do better I think we can go different we don't need you know the you know the hours of just mayhem I mean we can make it look a little bit better we can make it you know we can give the fans a little bit more what they want that's what this looks like this this looks bigger than the 2014 film and obviously it's got a bigger budget but the cinematography the design of it everything the scope the feel is very different from what the 2014 film has set up and it's got me hooked like a fish like I I can't wait like I'm, I'm I'm getting ready to go see Avengers in two hours I'm like cool I it almost feels like I'm just doing my homework right now like I'm just getting through this hurdle so I can get to the end of the month so I can get to this now there are other great things and it's not saying I'm not looking forward to Avengers I am but I'm not looking forward to it like I'm looking forward to this 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 is oh my god I I have not been this hyped for a film in a very long time in fact I think the closest I've ever felt like where I'm like I'm counting down the days was the first Avengers film back in 2012 where there was there was a point I caught myself I, it was mid-April I'm just like it, it's almost here like there was something new I'd never seen before that was ha- that was coming and I knew it was coming I'm just like I, I, I gotta see it. I can't wait to see it and that first film that first Avengers film blew me away. I saw it like nine times in the theater I own it I've watched it I love that first Avengers film this looks like that next that next thing like it's that it's that fix I've been waiting for it's that new that new flavor oh I can't wait and hopefully hopefully the the uh, once we get past this hump of what's gonna happen with endgame the the hype train will start properly building on this I this seems like the the consensus is right now uh, movies that are probably gonna be the big things to watch out for in May uh, detective Pikachu also a legendary uh, property John Wick 3 and this like the Aladdin hype doesn't seem to be anywhere near where Disney wants it to be and with good reason uh, the, the the film looks a little iffy and that's that's coming from a guy who's a, who puts Aladdin at the top of his absolute favorite Disney films and I also love Guy Ritchie films but there's just something about this film that feels kind of forced and uh, personally just a little, you know, just from observation, it, it feels like maybe the the live action films that Disney's putting out are kind of starting to wear thin with uh, with a lot of people. It seems to, I mean, Dumbo didn't really do that well, and Dumbo is, you know, that's royalty in the Disney lineage, and not a lot of people turned out to see it. Like it did all right. It didn't do Gangbusters. It didn't do what Jungle Book did. Uh, I got a feeling that uh, it, it does feel like that. Lion King is much more hyped, and people love Lion King. I love Lion King, and that looks more because it looks more in line with what the actual movie was, the the animated movie was. And not for nothing, but in in the case of Aladdin, no one can replace Robin Williams. And I don't think Will Smith was. And and again, I like Will Smith a lot, but he's not Robin Williams. So, and that being King of the Monsters' main competition. 
you know, that's that's the big thing that we, we you know people would have to worry about like eating into the weekend. But it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like uh, this might be the movie that that uh, might hold like the first, you know, might might hold two weekends back to back past Avengers because there's so much coming out in <laughs> this summer that it's 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 going to be a very very tight run for a lot of films and I get a feeling you might see a, uh, a few uh, uh, flops coming out of the studio system because there's just no more there, there, you, you can't there's just no room for all this stuff there's just too much good stuff out there so uh, that being said you know this time yes uh, uh, you know on the previous show I was going over all this and then the HBO footage dropped now, uh, if you watch Game of Thrones, I don't, and that's just not me boasting, I just don't. Um, HBO, and I believe it was HBO Go, put up the WonderCon footage that was screened um, at WonderCon, um, and then was also seen in front of Shazam, if you went and saw Shazam on the IMAX format. So this is pretty much Warner's giving that push. It's now time to get the general audience in, the people who might have been on the, like, eh, I don't know, Godzilla movie, this is them like, hey, ch- check out the goods that we got right now. And it seems to be working. I, that And if you hadn't had a chance to see that, that WonderCon slash Shazam footage, it is magnificent. There are just minute details that I am happy as hell to see on these things. I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep into it. I know a lot of people are... Avoiding spoilers. I know a lot of people are trying to go in as fresh as possible, especially the people that are listening to this. But I, I just there's a few things I just want to comment on. They the they gave Gator a couple little nice little characteristics. One of them being the rattlesnake tail that he's got going on, and that's not that's not a spoiler or anything. It's just it it, it was I'm like that's so obvious. Why, why didn't I ever think of it? You, it makes you feel like a a dumbass. They're like, why didn't I ever think of that? That's that's so cool. And the second is that this film is giving us something we have never seen in the long history of the uh, Japanese series. And that is a fight between Rodan and the adult Mothra. Something that has not been done. Even though both of them showed up in Final Wars, they'd never shared screen time. Mothra's shared screen time with Rodan, but only in the larval form. But this, this we're getting this clash in midair. And I said it last week on the Facebook page when the uh, when uh, a little promo for uh, for Mothra was put out. You see a point like four second clip of Rodan coming up from the corner and pecking at Mothra. I'm like that is more hype than any of the Avengers leaks for me that came out that day. Just like that, like you sold me. You so you get you're giving me this something that they it, clearly the filmmakers went like, all right, what well, hasn't been done before? Mothra adult fighting Rodan. Now clearly when you're doing it with a suit and a puppet, it's going to be a little harder. But the magic of CG, oh no no, eh, sky's the limit. And that, uh, you have no idea how hype I am for just even if that's that's if it's a if it's a minute and a half sequence. It's on the screens. It's it happens. It, oh, I can't wait, people. I can't wait. Mm. Now it's it, this is going to be something tremendous, and I can't wait for all of us to see it. So we can all sit down. We can all discuss it. We can all talk about it. So that being said, 
footage and all. That you know that 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 was it initially for the episode I recorded yesterday. But this morning, uh, to get the hype train rolling, uh, Warner Brothers released two tracks from the upcoming soundtrack. Um, I know that there's been that mm, like half-ass recorded Godzilla march been going around from the uh, Tokyo Comic Con, which was another thing that kind of you know, I rolled a tear on listening to it, but, uh, this, this, this is something, something else completely, and I'm going to give you a small sampling of w- the first title track that they released, which is titled Old Rivals, it's by Bear McCreary, McCreary, I'm sorry, I'm having a little flummox tongue right there, and, uh, yeah, I'm just going to give you a sample, like, two minute sample of it, and, um, I think you get the idea of what the title Old Rivals means. So let's give it a listen for a minute. That, that's a nice little sampling right there. You give me chanting with anything and I'm sold. Ah, that sounds magnificent. Um, and it's pretty much in line with the um, 
with the theme that uh, we kind of heard uh, secondhandedly recorded from that Tokyo Comic Con. So sounds like they're going very, very there's a very primal tone to the soundtrack, and I cannot wait. Like I haven't bought a soundtrack in a very long time, and I got a feeling I'm probably going to fork out for this guy, like uh, because it sounds sounds something incredible. So that's that's the track, Old Rivals from the uh, from the film. That is pretty much in line with what you would think for this uh, for this movie. And then something that hasn't kind of been done in a long time. There was a time and a place in the 90s and early 2000s when you had a big budget film come out and you had to have uh, a theme song go with it. Uh, famously, the aforementioned Will Smith used to, you know have a, a song that would accompany most of his big films. Uh, you would see, like, best case example, the Batman films, especially Batman Forever, had Seal's uh, Kiss on a Rose. Has nothing to do with the film whatsoever. It's just like, this is a cool song, let's make a music video, throw some clips from the film in there, and use it to promote it, because that's what you did. It was corporate synergy. We haven't seen that in a long, long time. I think to my knowledge, the last film to really do something like that was Venom, where they got Eminem to sing the theme song for Venom, and it's just him rapping Venom over and over again. I found it to be... It, it's weird, but it's also kind of refreshing at the same time to like, oh yeah, this is this is something people don't really do anymore. Well, uh, yeah, uh, the Godzilla soundtrack is doing that as well. They've taken the Blue Oyster Cult song, titled Godzilla. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you know the you know the damn song. And they got Serge Tankian and three fourths of Death Clock uh, from Metalocalypse to re-record this song, and it is the wackiest goddamn thing I've heard in ages. And uh, I'm just gonna you, you have to hear it for yourself. And again, this doesn't spoil anything for the film because if you've heard Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, you know what you're in, well, you kind of know what you're in for, but, yeah, alright, <laughs> let's roll this.
Singer of System of Down covering Bloister Cult's Godzilla with all that awesome chanting in the background. It, I still don't know what to make of it. I don't know if I like this. Or I uh, don't know if I hate this. I really, I, I, I'm kind of like per, uh, perplexed by it a little bit, if anything. Uh, a lot of people I talked today said, "Oh, it's the coolest thing," and that, you know, some people are like, "Ah, okay," you know. I don't get why you couldn't just use the original one. I get why you don't use the original one, because it's something everyone's heard. You want something new for the film, but I don't know. I just never thought I'd hear Surge Tanking singing a, uh, at least covering Godzilla by Blue Easter Cult. So, so take take that for what you will. So, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll grow on me. Who knows? Um, but it is certainly I, the, the last thing in the world I expected to wake up to this morning uh, was hearing this thing. And, uh, well... Uh, the, uh, the, there it is. So, uh, yeah. So there we go. That's that's the hype train rolling right now on uh, King of the Monsters, um, Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever the hell they're gonna call it. Just wrapped filming last week. So you realize we have this next month, and then guaranteed add um, San Diego Comic Con. We'll probably see the first trailer for Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, and then next March, there's that. Now, where do we go from here? Uh, who knows? Hopefully, this does gangbusters. Or at least does in, in line with what they wanted to do. Um, it already seems like uh, China is probably going to eat this thing up with a you know a silver spoon. It is getting a... Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is getting pretty much released... I think day and date of in most territories. So that that says a lot. That says that that's a lot of um, that that that's uh that's that's Warner Brothers. They have some faith in this thing, and I know that they're hoping that this becomes like another long running franchise. I think they want to do what Toho did and just churn one of these out every few years that people will keep turning out to see them. Uh, I mean, in this day and age where you know you're down to four major studios, he who has the most franchises will be the one that is left standing at the end. Uh, I mean, Disney now owns Fox. Not to, you know, Disney trying to be, you know, the the Galactus of the studio system, but, you know, they Fox gave them an opportunity and they took it, and now we're, you know, we're hearing things that, you know, Disney, things that we knew was going to happen, where Disney is telling Fox to uh, put the kibosh on a bunch of projects, and, uh, you know, they'll probably just be the new touchstone arm for, for Disney. So, sans, you know, the in-development avatars and a few occasional R-rated pieces here and there, like, they're just, just going to be like another thing. Warner Brothers has Harry Potter, you know, as long as they can keep churning out that stuff. I know some people who aren't really happy with those Fantastic Beast movies. I like them. I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world. I like the Potter movies. I like those Fantastic Beast movies. I'll, I'll tell you why I like them. I like them because there's no sitting there like learning everything. It's they're adults and they're just it's like all right, we already know we're, we already set up all this stuff. 
Here's how the rest of the world works in Magic. I like that. I like that a lot. So, um, they got the Lego stuff. They got the DC stuff, which I was a champion of from day one, uh, depending on who you talk to uh, on their, especially their feelings for the Zack Snyder films. But it feels like at least those those films are coming around to the public, uh, uh, you know, for public love, finally. I mean, Aquaman did a ton of money, and Shazam is doing very well for itself. So they still need something else, and Godzilla's it. So if they can turn out... I, I, and I still think, you know, for, you know, a Godzilla film every couple of years, but give us a Kong universe. Like, expand that universe. Give us, like, some more Kong movies where Kong is building a roster of his own, his own rogues gallery. Because that's the sad thing with Kong. Kong, there's a lot of potential. Kong has that Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan. He can go visit John Carter of the Mars. He can go visit uh, Pellucidor. He can go, like, all the other things that he set up. Kong always had the potential to me. And it just always felt like anybody that ever took Kong under their wing wanted to retell that first story. And it's part of the reason why I love Kong vs. Godzilla, part of the reason why I love... Kong Skull Island. It's because we're deviating from the norm. We're, we're telling a, a brand new story. We're doing something different. We're doing, you know, we're exploring the other reaches of what Kong can do. I really hope we see that. I would love to see a, a great rival for Kong like we have with Godzilla with Ghidra or, or Mechagodzilla. I want, I want that. I want that Joker for Kong. And uh, I really hope Warner Brothers continues forth with, with those films as well. And before I forget, speaking of King Kong vs. Godzilla. If you are in the L.A. area uh, next month, uh, the Secret Movie Club, which runs out of the Vista Theater in Los Angeles, will be showing a 35mm print of King Kong vs. Godzilla. It is the American version because it's coming from Universal. Uh, You can... uh, Go to their Eventbrite page. I'll put it in the show notes. It's on. I've I've already promoted it on our Facebook page. You can find it there. But if uh, you're out here, it's a good. It, this is a magnificent theater. It's an old timey theater that was um, renovated inside. Chairs are modern, uh, but they kept the, the the decor. They got a fantastic projector, and these guys only get the finest prints that they can get their hands on. Um, and again, I've I've gone on. About you know the difference between digital and 35 millimeter, where I'm not uh, uh, I, I'm not devoted to just 35 millimeter. There is something about that format that looks nice. I saw the raid on a 35 millimeter print, which I didn't even know existed, and it did it that it did add a little something to it. But at the same time, I've also watched probably one of the crappiest prints of War of the Gargantuas I've ever seen in my life at. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Cinema. And if had I not seen that movie nine million times, I would have walked out in disgust because that print was abused. Abused. And this is coming from a former projectionist. I, 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 I don't take this stuff very lightly. There is one, there is just this massive green line, which means that uh, the projections didn't loop the film right. And it was uh, smacking against the... Uh, the projector, which causes it to scratch, and that creates that. Whenever you see those big green lines, those are film scratches. That's because that that's just poor, poor craftsmanship on the projector's part, the, the projectionist's part. So um, these guys are uh, like uh, they've gone out of their way. They're finding the best print they can. I got to see, and, and I got to see a print of this. I don't think it was from Warner's or Universal's archives. I think 
it's a private print, but there's something magical to seeing this film on the big screen. More so than I would even say Destroy All Monsters. It, it's the the American... I, I, it's my second favorite Godzilla film, so I'm a little biased towards it. But this is just that big monster brawl that, you know, a lot of people seem to have in their minds of what a Godzilla movie is, but this really does live up to that. It really just makes me yearn for more of, like, those those uh, big hair suits where the, the actor's not um, hinged by uh, the restrictions of, like, a big Vertellian suit or crawling on all fours. But if you get a chance, uh, get out there, go see it. I think it's May 18th. It's an early 11 a.m. showing. And while I'm at it, if any of you guys uh, back east or anywhere know of any other showings that you want to uh, help promote, send them my way through the uh, our Facebook page, and I'll gladly promote the hell out of it because we're coming up. Now's the time to get everybody into this stuff. If you have people that have like have, if you know people that have never seen the Godzilla movie, you have friends or just like, let's you know like give them a chance. And sometimes better than sitting at home and watching movies, sometimes the magic of a theater. Can win a, is, is, is the difference between winning someone over and losing them. So, uh, if you know any screens that are coming up uh, between now and then, just shoot me a line. I will gladly promote it. Because I'm all about everyone seeing Godzilla anything between now and this next movie. And then after that movie, after King of the Monsters, even more so. So, um, uh, other than that, I'm trying to think. No, I think that's about it. This is going to be kind of a short episode. I wanted to address all the stuff that was going on. Uh, we should be back uh, mid-next month with uh, a, hopefully, with a review of the Netflix Ultraman, which uh, Jessica and I have many things to say about that, both good and bad. Um, and then uh, I want to, I want to get in that that. I've been sitting on the, the original script for the legendary Godzilla, and uh, I've been plotting to do a review of this and a breakdown of what could have been or what was. It's the David Callum script, and uh, if, um, if we got time, hopefully I'll, I'll get that in before uh, we sit down to review Godzilla King of the Monsters. So uh, stay tuned for those episodes. Uh, on uh, and a little a uh, little bit of housekeeping notes, Jessica and I will be. At G-Fest this year, uh, we have a panel. Can't release what it is yet because we're still working on it. Uh, and we will also be at the San Diego Comic-Con, most likely same time, same day, same place as, as we have been for the last few years. Um, stay tuned to our Twitter and Facebook for more information on those. But if you're going to either of those events, uh, come by and say hi to us. Uh, especially G-Fest, we're... We're just hanging out for the three days for the most part, so as G- people at G-Fest tend to do. So uh, come say hi. Uh, also, thinking anything else, then that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself and Jessica, who is not here. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.